thanks for checking out the weekly Harmony Church podcast. For more information and resources about Harmony Church or any of the Harmony events, check out the Harmony Church website or Harmony Church Facebook page today. Okay, so we are in the middle of a five-week series uh, that we're calling Heart for the House, in which we're highlighting different core values and aspects of, of the house, things that are, are very close to who we are and what we believe as a church family. And uh, I said last week, but most people in this room here will be here because you saw someone from this church or you heard about someone from this church who demonstrated an aspect of God's love, his faithfulness, his miraculous power. You heard a testimony, you saw a testimony, You saw fruit, and so you came to see what that was about. You came for more. You came to experience more. And so these five weeks, these five weeks, we're highlighting what are the core values that are producing the fruit that we're seeing. What are the core values that are producing the fruit that's seeing the evangelism network wanting to interview us for for how we're seeing people saved. And so uh, last week, anyone remember what we spoke about last week? Generosity. Anyone remember one point from it? Can some? One point, heart, it's about the heart, it's good, um, so, <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> he was in there, <laughs> something in the Bible, um, it was biblical, uh, last week we spoke about generosity and we learned that generosity is, is not about the amount, you could give $2,000 and it could be stingy, and you could give $2,000 and it could be generosity. Generous, gener- generosity isn't about the amount, it's the context in which the gift is given in. And we saw the illustration of Jesus watching people putting money into the temple treasury. And he watched uh, wealthy people put large sums of money in. And then this, this old lady comes in and puts two copper coins, a, a, an amount that could have fallen by the wayside. And, and the, the, the people running the offering wouldn't have minded. They wouldn't have worried about it. They wouldn't have noticed it. But Jesus called his disciples to him and he says, hey guys, I want you to pay attention to this moment here. I want you to look here and I want you to know that that this woman here gave more than all the rest. And I want you to know that God does not look at the things man looks at. 1 Samuel 16 verse 7 says, man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. And in that situation, Jesus says, don't look at the outward appearance. Don't look at how much money was given, but look at the heart in which the money was given. And this woman here was more generous than the rest. We learned generosity is not about the, man, the amount, but the context it was given. And we learned that money and time are transferable. They're both the same thing. You can sell your time for money, and you can also buy time. You can get someone to look after the kids for you and pay them. And so the way we're spending our money is, is not, not a representation of how we're spending our lives. It is how we're spending our lives. The way we're spending our time, the way we're spending our energy, our emotions, is how we're spending our lives. And, and I really challenge you guys that, that are we spending it generously? We learned that the, the, the world of the generous grows, that those who give, the world around them grows, but those who are stingy and are selfish, their world shrinks. That, that selfishness is scary, that selfishness will end a marriage. That stinginess will end friendships, will end relationships, because they'll cut them off. But a generous world will grow. You want to be a generous person. But we learned first and foremost that we are generous by identity. We're merely talking about what it looks like to actually walk this journey out. That John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that he gave generously, that he gave his best. He didn't give a stingy amount. He gave everything he had so that we could know that we were loved by him. 
He paid the price. He paid the highest price for us. And in 1 John 3 verse 16, it says, uh, this is how we know love, that Jesus Christ laid down his life for us and now we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. We ought to be generous to our brothers and sisters in how we spend our lives. Generosity is a value of this church. It's a value of this community. And if it's not your value, I encourage you to adopt it. And if it is, I encourage you to grow it. This week, I want to talk about something, a different core value that, in my opinion, is one of the hardest core values for people to adopt. Now, Jared described me as young on some level, um, and, and I am, uh, but I've also seen a couple things in my time. I've watched a few people journey through life, and I've, I've had a bit of a journey of my own. And I've come to realize that this particular core value is arguably one of the hardest ones for people to adopt, for people to take on as their own and walk out. It's one of the hardest things to, to adopt for two reasons. One, because people think they have this core value, but they don't. They think they have this core value, but they don't. That They go around telling people that they're a millionaire, but if you catch a glimpse of their wallet, you see it's monopoly money. And when it comes to do a real-life transaction, the transaction fails. It doesn't actually happen. People don't, don't have this core value because they think they have it, but they don't. And the other reason is it's just hard. It's hard to walk out this core value. And this core value I'm talking about is community. This core value I'm talking about is community. It's one of the hardest core values from what I have seen for people to adopt and walk out. For many people, community is just a light, fluffy word. It's like, oh, you know, like community, my friends. You know, but I just encourage you, if community is really light word in your world, if there isn't much substance to it, then there's probably not going to require much substance for your community around you to wash away. A light breeze of discouragement, a light breeze of change, disappointment, and all of a sudden the people you thought were around you were gone. Because the value you have for community will determine the price you're willing to pay for it. And if you don't pay a price for your community, there's probably not going to be much substance there. If you see the value of community for what it is, if you see the value that heaven places on community, you'll be willing to pay the price for it. But community where no one pays a price is just a crowd. Community where no one pays a price is just a crowd. In my opinion, community is one of the hardest core values for people to adopt because while it is of immense value, it is also very hard. It's very, it's actually, I, I heard someone say about their life, they were a pastor, they were married, and they had like five kids, and he described it as like doing life on hard mode. <laughs> and doing life in community is hard, it is tough. You can, you can do life alone, it's going to be easy. It's going to be real easy to do life all alone. But it's also really lonely, and it's also dangerous. It's also scary, but why, why is it hard? Um, I just want to, we're going to experiment with a particular example. Uh, if you're able to just stand up if you're married, if that's okay. Um, <laughs> single is a Pringle. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, I'm just going to ask you a question. Uh, I just want you to, like, I know there's lots of other thoughts, but just stick on this one. I just want to ask you the question is, uh, is or has marriage been... A, exposing. So that's the question. So hang on, before you answer it, 
Uh, what I mean is like, when you went into marriage, did you, did, were you able to intentionally choose everything that they got to see about you? Your good, your bad, everything you got to choose, you got to be in control, or did you find in marriage that it was a bit exposing? They would find out some awesome things about you, and they'd find out some not awesome things about you. What was, is marriage exposing? I want you to sit down if marriage isn't exposing. I want you to stay standing if it is, and I want you to either put your hands in the air or stand on the chair if you're like, can every single person in this room please know the marriage is exposing, so sort out your junk now. <laughs> Okay, can we just hold there, just 15 seconds. So can everyone just please just have a real quick look and just see, like, there's something they want you to know. (laughs) Um, Just hold on to that 15 seconds, if you could just stay standing. Um, (laughs) I would like to propose that marriage is a concentrated form of community. Marriage is a concentrated form of community. You can show up to the guy's life group on a Thursday and church on a Sunday, and then you can go home. Even if you flat with people, you can go into your room and you can put earphones on. But when you're married, they're in your house, they're in your car, they're in your bed, they're in your bank account. They're there first thing in the morning and last thing at night. They're there, they're there, they're there. And, and marriage is exposing, but I want, to, I want you guys to know that, all, that community is also exposing. You guys can be seated. Why don't we give them a quick round of applause? <laughs> so in my opinion, this is, this is why community is so hard for people to, to, to embrace into their lives, because it's exposing. You, you can't get away with what you can get away with when you isolate yourself, when you're doing life alone. But when you're in community, there's certain things you get, you get held to account on certain things. You can't get away with what you can get away with when you hide Community exposes. Catherine and Gideon uh, have had a vision from day one when they planted this church that it would be a place uh, of equipping and training, that people would come here and they would be equipped and they would be trained for the work of the ministry, that people would be able to leave here, they would be able to pray for people for healing, they would be able to forgive their family members, they would be able to love people who are not loving them, they would be equipped to, to be Jesus in this world. That's a vision of this place. But it's not until you actually place yourself in community that we find out what you're actually equipped with. (laughs) We can can run a session on loving your neighbor, but it's not until you actually place yourself in the midst of community that we find out if you know how to love your neighbor or if you're still working on those skills you learned when you were seven that your parents taught you on how 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 to fight. It's only in the context of community that, that you're, you, you are exposed to what you're actually carrying, what you're actually equipped with. It's only in community that maturity can be seen or lack of maturity. Because it's within genuine community that you have accountability. Community is hard. It costs. It's exposing. No wonder it's so hard for people to adopt. So why would people adopt it? Why would you want to adopt this value of community that's so exposing when you can just do life real easy on your own, on easy mode? You were designed for it. You need it and you want it. You were designed for community. You need community and you want community. You were designed for it, that you were actually created for a purpose, that God shaped and designed you. you you've been designed for it. You've been designed for a purpose. 
You need it. You've been designed for a purpose and you need it to fulfill that purpose and you want it because the most pleasurable thing in this life is sitting right in the center of your divine purpose. Sitting right in the center of your, of your divine purpose, the calling on your life is the most pleasurable thing you can do on this world. And that place is within community. You're designed for it. Genesis 1.27 uh, when, when God made man, he said, let us make man in our image. Let us make man in our image, mankind. He said, let us, us, he's speaking about the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, the Trinity, the three in one, that God is actually in community and self. And my question for you is if God isn't above community, what's our excuse? If God isn't above community, what's our excuse? You've been designed for it. Genesis chapter 2, verse 28, after God had created man, he says that it is not good for mankind to be alone. He says it is not good for mankind to be alone. That word alone there, it doesn't mean single. He didn't say it's not good for, for mankind to be single. You should be married. He said it's not good for mankind to be alone. This is to do with being lonely. You can be in a marriage and be lonely. But God said it's not good for mankind to be alone. You were designed for it, you need it, and you want it. In 1938, they started what's, what's arguably the longest study ever done, and it goes on until this day. It's been going for 80 years. And it's called the Harvard Study of Adult Development. They took 724 men in 1938, and they began to study their entire lives. They took half the 724 men that were in their first year at Harvard University, and the other half were just boys from one of the poorest states, one of the poorest, from the poorest neighborhoods in Boston. So they took these two groups of people and they began to study them. They began to study their whole lives. They began to observe the relationships they had that asked them questions about what do they dream about? What, do, what are the things they hope about? What are the things that hurt them the most? What are their biggest challenges? Where do they see themselves in 10 years? And they continued to follow up. They followed up constantly and they continue to follow to this day. There's, there's less than 60 remaining from the original 724 today and all are over 90. And it's one of the longest studies because the challenge with this is the people running the study generally have passed away because <laughs> they're quite old. So it's currently on its fourth director, the study. But um, <clears throat> they studied it, and as, uh, the ability to study and observe increased as they started to be able to take MRIs, blood, uh, blood tests. They just studied everything about these guys, and they studied uh, how happy their lives were, how content, how healthy they were, and they discovered that unanimously, the thing that affected their health and their happiness the most was good relationship. That, that, that it was black and white for them. It was like good relationships, health and happy. Bad relationships, bad health, not very happy. Good relationships keep you happier, happier, and healthier, you are designed to be in community. They keep you happier, um, but they also keep you healthier. Uh, the, I listened to the talk in which this fourth director of the study was speaking, and he, his quote was, uh, well, I, I'm quoting him, but he said that loneliness kills. Loneliness kills, that from all the all the the research you're taking, tens of thousands of bits of paper documented about these guys' lives. He saw that when people were lonely, 
it was a fast track to death, that loneliness actually kills, which sounds very similar to what God said in Genesis 2.18, that it is not good for man to be alone. We were designed to be in community. We need to be in community, and we want to be in community. You want it? And if there's one thing that I've learned about how God has made made us, it's that we desire to be seen, to be known, and to be understood. If there's one thing I've learned about, about the way God has made us is that we desire to be seen, to be known, and to be understood. That even if someone sells every conviction they have in their life to pursue the things of the world where they pursue sex and they, 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 they're sleeping around and they, they just feel like the coolest person ever, at some point they're going to want to know the people they're sleeping with. At some point in their journey, they're actually going to want to have a relationship with the people around them. Whether, you've, whether someone sold their conviction and everything they believe in for significance, for fame, to stand in front of people and be seen but not known, whether they've sold everything, eventually at some point they're going to realize that they want to actually share that journey with someone. They actually want to be in relationship in the moment, that they, don't, they want the spotlight but they need community. And for some people who pursue money, they pursue more money and money and money so they can have everything, they can buy everything. Eventually they hit a point where they just want to spend it with someone. They just want to show someone what they brought. They want to spend it on someone. That no matter what you pursue, it'll come back to this one thing that God has made you to be in relationship. He has made you to be in community. When you're seen, you can be known. And when you're known, you can be understood. And when you're understood, you can be loved. Because you can't love what you can't understand. You can't love what doesn't exist. A lot of people live their lives in a performance mode, trying to be everything that everyone else wants to be. And so everyone loves who they're not. Everyone loves who they're trying to be. But until we embrace that reality that God's put a desire in us to be seen, to be known, to be understood, to be loved within community, we won't make it. My challenge is for those that this is speaking to you is that are you ready to put your Monopoly money in the bin? Are you ready to put your, your, your community that has never actually been there for you in the, big, in the bin and begin to embrace real-life community that's awkward, that's messy? Are you, are, you, are you fed up with having a thousand friends on Facebook but no one to stand there with you when you're crying or no one to celebrate a moment with you when you finally get to experience something you've dreamed about for 10 years? Are you fed up with having 500 followers but no one to give you a hug? Are you fed up with with having a community that, that is sold to you by this world but not a community that actually stands with you, that stands beside you? And my challenge for everyone here tonight is are you in community? And, and a little hint is if you haven't paid a price, then you're probably not. If you haven't paid a price for the community you're in, you're probably not in community. You're probably just in a crowd. The treasures God has for you in this life are found in the context of community. Community is your design. You need it and you want it. It is your identity. It is in your DNA. And there is nothing more pleasurable than being in the center of God's will for your life. As I just come to, Catherine, could you jump up, please? Um, as I just come to an end there, 
I just really feel like for a few people here, the first step for you entering into community is actually entering into the community of God, actually giving your life to the Lord, making him, making Jesus the Lord of your life, placing him in charge of your life and becoming a part of the family of Christ, that you can find community at at any sort of club, but until you actually find your identity and your purpose in Christ, that community fades away for nothing.